Pastors Larry and Tiz welcome you to another New Beginnings Church podcast. Go deeper into God's Word with practical messages and lifestyle studies that will equip, inspire, and encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. Get ready to be fit for life. Let me open up in prayer and then we'll talk about who we are and what we believe and why it's important. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for each person who's here this morning and those that will be listening later on. Thank you, Father, that you have put us in a church that teaches your truth. Thank you, Father, that we know that even in the darkest of times, there's provision, protection, healing, and you are at work. Thank you now, Father, and anything that I had in my mind that's not in line with your agenda this morning, Father, let me forget it and anoint my mouth to say the things that are needed for the people who will be listening. And all God's people said, amen. I'm a business person. That's what I did most of my life before I ever started uh, working in the church. And what I loved about business was that all the time people were always looking for new ways to give information, um, how people communicate, how you manage, um, different social environments and things. Don't worry about that. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so I loved being a believer in corporate and looking at all the things that worked and realizing that a lot of the things that businesses teach are biblically based. I'll give you an example. When I was coming up through the ranks, one of the signs that we had on all the desks and was always on anything that we advertised was expect the best. And I thought, well, isn't that a catchy little saying? And I was sure that it was uh, developed by somebody in a corporate office somewhere far, far away. And then I heard a story recently about a rabbi. And I'm going to share the story with you, but you're going to see how that little phrase, expect the best, and the story of the rabbi are the same. The story goes that there was a rabbi, uh, an older gentleman, and uh, his wife had passed And he was coming home because he teaches at a a shiva. And so he was coming home from an event and he noticed a a young lady, very attractive, that was in distress. She was very, very upset. And his thinking was, okay, I'm headed home. Should I stop? And being a Jewish rabbi, he knew that it was his obligation to reach out and protect this young girl. So he went over, took care of the situation. And then realizing that it was dark and that she had no place to go, he was thinking, what should I do? It's my obligation to do something nice. So he said, please come stay in my home tonight since you have no place to go. And then tomorrow you can get up early and continue on your way. So the two of them went to the house. She took the bedroom and he slept in the living room. That next morning, they both got up early, and he was excited to get her out of the house because he knew his students would be coming, and he didn't want them to see this attractive young girl leaving his home. But much to his sadness, as they opened the door, half of the class was already there. They were already saying their morning prayers and turned and looked. Now, remember, this rabbi knew his responsibility to help the young woman. And even when he was questioning his own judgment, he knew his responsibility was to make sure she was safe for the evening, and that's why he took her home. So the young girl departs, and the rabbi is thinking, how can I use this for a teaching moment? 
Because anybody who has the gift of teaching, we spend our lives looking for examples of things that we can use for teaching. So he said to the young men, good morning, gentlemen. What did you observe this morning? And they were kind of hesitant. It was like, should we mention that we saw that young thing coming out of his house? Should we say that we were so deep in prayer that we didn't notice anything? And one of the older ones looked at Rabbi and said, Rabbi, we saw a young woman leaving your house right before you came out to teach. And the rabbi said, that's correct. And what did you think? And the more mature man said, well, I thought that perhaps you had rescued her from some bad situation and had allowed her to stay in your home. And a couple of the younger ones kind of snickered because they had thought something else. And the rabbi said, you, my young man, have just captured what Judaism is all about. We expect the best. Expect the best. Expect the best. You say, okay, how does this go in line with mm, how I work? What does the scripture tell us about the spirit of unity? Where does the blessing of God come? Where the spirit of unity is, God commands his blessing. So what happens in the church community? We're all believing in God, and yet we're at odds. Now, this happens to be Black History Month, so we're going to see a lot of people who have discovered something, developed something, sold something. In fact, today is one of my personal favorites. It's a black woman that was the first black millionaire. I like her, because can you imagine how much that was worth that many years ago, being a millionaire? (laughs) So she was a businesswoman. So expecting the best, what does that mean? It means that we don't mind read. It means that when we see something, rather than rolling our eyes or automatically thinking this is wrong or that's a Mormon, so I'm not going to do because I know what that is, or that's a Catholic, I know what they believe, I'm not going to talk to them, we realize that we need to link arms because God's word also says those out there will know those in here belong to him up there by one thing, our love for each other. When Pastor Larry first started teaching about Jewish roots, and I was raised in a Baptist church, and for some unknown reason, praise God, our pastor taught that Jesus was a Jew. We discussed it. We uh, talked about the high holidays. We talked about Shabbat. We actually had a dinner one time where they lit the candles and talked about it. I thought everybody knew that Jesus was a Jew. I thought everybody understood that the Old and New Testament are completely connected. They really were never divided until we got a hold of it. And that Torah was a book in the Bible, and I didn't understand exactly which books they were, but I knew that they were the original ones. And I knew that Jesus didn't have this Bible to teach from. And I also learned that his name wasn't really Jesus. (laughs) Because as a Jew... His name was pronounced differently. Now, when I'm singing a song and when I'm thanking Jesus for paying the price that he did did so that I can be whole, I am not praying to Jesus, but I am thanking him for what he did and thanking him that he is the door for me to go into my heavenly father. So when I came to New Beginnings and I started hearing Pastor Larry teaching about our, our biblical roots, it all made sense to me. And I was shocked to discover that some people didn't even know that Jesus was a Jew. He was a rabbi. He was a teacher. There are probably a lot of things about his life that the church world would not want to discuss. But if you take a look at history 
and you take a look at what being a rabbi meant, then perhaps when we meet Jesus, he's going to be a bit different than what we had thought. Well, as I said, I like corporate because it's kind of a clean way of saying things that are biblical. Anything that works in the business arena is biblically based. They don't know it, but it is. When, uh, and I should tell you, I was in uh, corporate America with a bank on the West Coast, and I was a vice president and a regional sales manager. So I had the privilege of working with a lot of individuals who were community leaders. I got out of banking because as I climbed the corporate ladder, I had more and more responsibilities to be involved in the community. Now, I loved being involved with service projects. That was no problem. But all of a sudden, my Monday through Friday slipped into Saturday, and then when they wanted Sunday, it was like, oh, I can't do this. So I started figuring out how to back out of my corporate life. (laughs) Um, When I found New Beginnings, it was because I had gone through a battle with cancer, and God had led me on a different pathway for healing. And I'm quick to always say, There are several ways to be healed. There's the miracle where the tumor drops on the floor. There's the miracle where you do what God tells you to do and you get well. And there's the miracle when you do what the medical world says to do and you get well. They're all miracles. They all work. The problem is that we find a way to say this is the only way. What's going on right now in our society that has divided us so much when we look at medical practices? This is where you talk. What's going on? COVID. I am shocked at how divisive that has become and how emotionally rooted people are in their belief systems. Well, let me go back to expect the best. When we first started discovering our biblical roots and we first learned about the Jewish culture, And we started inviting some of the Jewish people to come to some of our events. Now, they wouldn't come to all of them, but when we honored Israel or had a major one, they would show up. And the first thing that I noticed is these were nice people. I mean, these were the kind of people that you would want for your neighbor. We had a conversation with a gentleman. His name was Larry, and he had been a past president of B'nai Zion. And we casually mentioned that our grandson lived in Texas, and we talked about Connor. And a year later, we had another event. And don't you know, Larry walked in and walked up to my husband and said, how's Connor doing? I was shocked. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not making judgments. But there are a lot of people we talked to in the church about Connor that didn't remember his name or anything else. But this man did because he valued family. And even though we were Christian and not somebody that he would necessarily worship with, He stepped across that line and reached out with humanity to join with us. Now, that was a number of years ago, and I still remember, Larry. I still remember that conversation. And I still remember how happy he was when we were able to share with him that Connor was finally on a good path, that Connor was finally (laughs) doing things right. And Larry, he celebrated with us. Well, let me get back to corporate. I put on my phone two things that um, are business principles. And yes, I'm going to talk about our statement of faith. It's called the four agreements. Now, this is business. But listen to what these are. They're talking about how to be successful. Number one, be impeccable with your word. And that continues on about 
Be careful what you say. Be careful how you say it. Be careful who you say it to. Your word is important. Keep your word. Now, doesn't that sound like something that comes out of the Bible? That's business. Number two, don't take anything personally. And what does Pastor Larry teach? Don't take offense. People are doing the best they can with what they have to work with, for crying out loud. We don't know what their day was like. So if they run past us, or if I run past you in the sanctuary and don't speak, it's probably because I've got someplace really quick to be, and I apologize that I didn't stop and say good morning. But don't take offense. Don't take things personally. Realize that sometimes assignments are given or taken away based on bottom line, not according to your abilities. It also, about not taking things personally, your value has nothing to do with your corporate title or your income. Your value has to do with biblically who God says you are. So you don't take assignments that may seem beneath you personally. The next one they say is um, don't make assumptions. That's straight out of the Bible too. Don't assume that somebody, when they say something, that they're thinking about you or talking about you or the fact that they did or didn't do something, that it's all about you. It's not. You see, that Jewish man, Larry, he could have said, well, this is a group of Christians, and it's really nice that they give money to all the people that, that I love and help us in Israel, but I'm not going to get too close, and I'm certainly not going to share my life with them. But he didn't make the assumption that we were his enemy, that he made the assumption that we were his friend, and he stepped across that line and engaged. I'm only sorry that I didn't step across the line first, but I learned from him. So there was another lady that I met, and I thought, aha. I'm going to ask her about her family. So Diane has been a friend of mine for some time. And she just recently went in for double knee replacement. I think the doctor decided to do two knees at the same time because he figured if he did one, she'd never do the other one. But it's like, okay, I'm going to remember when that surgery is. And I'm going to let her know that I'll be praying for her. Because Diane was one of the Jewish women that when we had the special prayer day for Pastor Tiz, Diane came. She said that she was going to get a hold of somebody in Israel and put Tiz's name in the Western Wall. That was her way of reaching out. So I wanted to reciprocate. I wanted to let Diane know that she was one of my friends. So we can step across those lines. For a season, uh, Tracy and I were talking before the class started. For a season, my daughter lived in Las Vegas. And um, no, she wasn't a showgirl or a gambler. And when they, she said she was going to stay in Las Vegas, um, my husband and I were like, oh my gosh, Lord, protect her. And we went down to visit, and she and her husband attended the sweetest church, tongue-talking, faith-filled people. And it was like, Lord. And he said, where sin abounds, you finish it. Grace abounds more. <laughs> so it was one of the sweetest churches around. And that kind of let me see that sometimes maybe a religion or a people group that I may have in the past stepped away from, that if there is sin in the camp, there's also grace. That was proven to me in the Catholic Church. I, in high school, my, my girlfriend was taken advantage of by a Catholic priest, and so I always you know, had three steps back and didn't even go to Catholic weddings for a long time. 
And um, then the marriage uh, encounter came out of the Catholic Church. The Holy Spirit fell on a group of Catholics. And they got the revelation about, and this was uh, how many years ago, 40, 50? The revelation about what marriage was in the Catholic Church. Because these were people who had hungry hearts for God. They were people who were honestly searching. And what does God's word tell us? If you hunger and thirst after me, yeah, I'm going to show up. So maybe the politics of the church is wackadoodle. And maybe some of the people in the church are wackadoodle. But I got to be honest with you. In my sweet Baptist church that I grew up in, there was a wackadoodle guy in that church too. (laughs) I didn't know he was wackadoodle. I didn't understand what was going on. But later on, looking back, it was like, oh my gosh. So Satan infiltrates all the best of things, but still we expect the best. Still, when we look at circumstances where we could go, that rabbi took that young, good looking thing into his house. I'll bet you did. Do you know what? Ooh. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. The Jewish faith is, our faith is, always assume the best, no matter what. Praise God, we're in a church that teaches us that our words have power. So we have the power to cancel things that are said around us, and we have the power to speak life into circumstances that we know we need to speak life into. It's not my first language. I'll be real blunt. My mind is analytical. I loved banking. I mean, you either had money to pay your bills or you didn't. You either qualified for a loan or you didn't. You either had a business plan that was going to work or you didn't. I like that. I didn't have to make decisions because all I had to do was take a look at the numbers, talk to the, the loan guys. Okay, yeah, we'll bank you. We won't bank you. And it was a real simple thing. And it was easy for me. <laughs> However, <clears throat> the church isn't quite like that. The church is a place where people come in and their past is forgiven. A church is a place where we accept people when they come in no matter what. When Don and I, because when we got married, we certainly weren't walking with the Lord. And yes, Pastor and Tiz know that. Um, And we committed to be in a Bible study. At the time, we were both smoking. And uh, Barney and Esther McLean, uh, bless their hearts, they're both home in heaven now, they had a Bible study. And so they said, you know, we want you and Don to come to the Bible study. And uh, Esther was one of those women that um, her whole house and all of her flowers outside were all pink and white, you know, the ones. And she had five daughters. They're all their names began with J. And they all dressed alike. I mean, that was who she was. But Don and I would drive up to that Bible study and would smoke in the car. And if any of you are former smokers, you know what that means. If you're not smokers, praise God, don't worry about it. We would finish up our Bible lesson, smoke in the car, and then go inside. And they would greet us with smiles, and she would take our coats. Now, now looking back, I'm sure she took our coats into the kitchen and put them on the back porch. But nonetheless, she never judged and never said anything. And through the process of that Bible study, we both quit smoking. And then when the study, the two-year program was over and and my husband was sharing, you probably uh, didn't know that Nancy and I smoked when we first started coming here. And they all kind of looked at each other. Oh, yeah, we knew. We knew. It's like, holy cow. So that was another one of those pieces. Okay, don't be judgmental. They may come in smelling like a beer, but that could be their mouthwash rather than an actual beer. So unless you've been in the tavern and can really understand what a beer smells like on a breath, don't assume anything. Expect the best. Even when the circumstances look bizarre, expect the best. 
know that people are here for a reason, and we won't bring them to Jesus and bring them to repentance by telling them what they're doing wrong. We'll only bring them to Jesus and bring them to deliverance by loving them enough to where they say, I want some of that. I'm willing to give up this, to give up that, to do something different in my life. I want to be free because they see us loving each other. They see us happy. And it doesn't mean that we are wealthy or healthy or even in good relationships with all of our family members. It means that we walk in integrity, watching our words, watching what we take personal, and that we live a life of integrity. The next one down here, um, the last one I should, it says, always do your best. I'm known for having plan A, B, C, and D. Whenever we put together any event, I have contingency plans. That was my corporate training, but it's really good for the church as well to know that we can't control the weather. I can't even control electronics. Our screen is not on this morning because there's some wires hanging from the ceiling. You can look up there and see those wires. Um, Our Ignite youth group last weekend had a movie night. And the team came in and got all excited about the movie night and turned it on, and their projector was fried. So they sent me a text message and said, Pastor Nancy, our unit is not working. Can we move your unit into our Ignite room? And I'm thinking, of course, how sweet of God to give a backup plan, right? So they took our unit, and they had their movie night. It was all installed before anything happened. But that left us without a screen, it's like, well, these people kind of know where they are. It's fit for life. You shouldn't be looking at the screen anyway during that time. You should kind of be looking at each other and then the teachers. So it's like, yeah, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. Well, also with that went a lot of the equipment that does the recording of these things for the CDs and for the podcasts. So this morning I got up and let Paula, our bookstore manager, know there won't be a CD because they can't record it. And uh, I figured I could get one of the technicians upstairs to at least turn on the mic and that we'd be just fine. Well, don't you know, God provided Pabliana, Pastor Watterson's wife. I had no clue that she knew how to push the button to make a recording. You see, if we plan as much as we can, God supernaturally fills in all the blanks. Because we expect the best We plan for things, and we always look at people and situations as, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So all of that is a setup to say, okay, what is our statement of faith here in the church? I was relieved to finally read it after Don and I had been coming for about six months and say, okay, I can agree with this. Because I had heard a lot of unusual conversations taking place in different areas. And you probably, if you've been here for any length of time, you sometimes hear unusual conversations. But this is what Pastors Larry and Tiz put in print. This is what we believe. And the statement of faith is on the back of the volunteer form. So when you Go to fill out your volunteer form. And yes, we do background checks because we want to make sure anybody who's going to be dealing with Kid City or Ignite, that they have a clean record. They can be forgiven. And if they come and tell us, then we can make exceptions. However, we have to know that they have left that part of their life behind and are moving forward. We believe in one God as creator of all heaven and earth who has revealed himself in the scriptures. 
one God. I don't understand how it works. I don't understand how Jesus is God and the Holy Spirit is God and God is God. I don't understand it, but I believe it. And I have seen enough miracles in my life to understand that I don't pray to Jesus. Unfortunately, I was raised to not pray to Jesus. Again, Baptist preacher, go figure. I knew that he was the door, but that I was coming in to my heavenly father. And being a good Baptist girl, we didn't have anything to do with the Holy Spirit. So I didn't have to worry about that third part until I got to New Beginnings. We believe that the Bible, Genesis through Revelation, is God's divinely inspired word. Are there other books that might be inspired and divine? Yeah. Yeah. As they uncover different scrolls in Israel, there are a lot of books that's like, wow, that'd be kind of cool to have in the Bible. But I think God knew what he was doing when he said, I'm only going to put this in here. And no matter what your faith is, there's a plain plan of salvation that is very obvious from Genesis to Revelation. So it doesn't matter what church you're sitting in. If you're really hungry, you can read it and get it. We believe that Jesus Christ, Yeshua, that's his name, by the way, is the Messiah and the Son of God. We also believe in his virgin birth. Let me stop right there. When I was younger, that was an easy thing to accept, a virgin birth. I mean, I didn't know that much about marriage or sex, so I understood virgin, and that made sense to me. Then when I got a little bit older, and it was like, well, now Joseph married Mary. How did that work? And then the Jewish culture. When a woman is pregnant or has recently had a child, the sexual relation part of their marriage is, is set aside so that she can take care of herself and she can take care of the baby. And so Joseph and Mary didn't consummate that marriage by our definition, Western mentality, until after Jesus was born. Now, in my mid-30s, that would have been harder to understand. Where I stand today, that's easier to understand. I've watched Pastor Jordy, the pastor for the uh, Ignite, when his second baby was born. And he took a three-week vacation. He was well entitled to it, but he saved all of his vacation time to be there so that he could help his wife take care of that baby. When you go to Israel, you will see the men pushing the baby carriages. You will see the men holding the children's hand. In the Jewish culture, it's a two-person deal. They help with each other. I got to keep going or I'll never finish this class. Okay. Uh, We believe (laughs) in restoring the Jewish roots of Christian faith that as believers... We are grafted into Israel and the revelation and heritage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through faith in the Messiah. That's how we're grafted in. We believe in celebrating Shabbat and the biblical holidays and the importance of restoring biblical symbols of faith, including the tallit and the mezuzah. Now, that tallit thing. You don't even have to know what you're doing. I've got a testimony because I, when I close out the service, it's for the stream family. If you ever stream the services, stay on till the end because I usually give a testimony. And uh, the testimony today is about a gal. She had a tallit and she bought it because she came to New Beginnings and thought it was the right thing to do. You know, like a sorority pin or something like that. So she didn't necessarily use the tallit, but she had one. And then her sister-in-law, it would be, was battling cancer. And so she went to the bookstore and bought a tallit and took it to the sister and didn't really know how to explain much about it. But the sister-in-law put the tallit on and prayed. Yeah, you know I wouldn't be telling the story if she wasn't cancer-free. <laughs> but that tallit has power. 
And whether you know exactly the way to put it on or whether you just kind of hold it or you cover it up, you don't have to do it exactly. It's a heart issue. If I put a tallit on in perfection and you're watching me with my tallit and the door closed and in my mind I'm thinking about my grocery list and what so-and-so said and who so-and-so, what they were wearing, it's of no effect. But if I have a heart after God, if I'm saying, help me, I don't know what to do, help me, like the man played, I have faith but help my, uh, my disbelief, God will respond to that. He will honor that. So we believe in the Talit and the Mezuzah. We believe personal salvation and eternal life has been provided for all people through the redemption work of the Lord. That's Yeshua. We believe through the redemptive work of the Lord, our enemy, Satan, is defeated. That by the power of the seven places that Jesus shed his blood, sins can be forgiven and even generational curses can be broken and even covenant blessings can be restored. I love that part. Covenant blessings restored. It means it doesn't matter what my background is, what decisions I have done, where, where I've, I've camped. <laughs> I can be restored because of the price that Jesus Christ paid on the cross. We believe in the power of water baptism and receiving communion. Communion is Shabbat, by the way. I'll keep going here. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a direct experience from salvation, a dis- distinct experience from salvation that is evidenced by the speaking in tongues. Do I have to speak in tongues to be saved? No. Do I have to speak in tongues to, to volunteer at the church? No. Do I have to speak in tongues to be a pastor? No. But it's a good thing to do. And if you've not received your prayer language, you can talk to me, you can talk to Pastor Tiz, you can talk to Pastor Lydia. She's really good at getting people filled with the Holy Ghost. But that Talking in tongues is a language from me to God and from God to me to where I don't have to think or flush out my mind. I can just pray in tongues. And in all honesty, when I pray in tongues, I don't have a wandering mind. I don't know how that works, but that's, that's my experience. Um, okay, we believe in the signs, the wonders, and the miracles, including divine healing, are part of the redemptive work of the Lord. Yeah, we pray and believe for people to be healed. But what happens if they die? Did we do something wrong? No. (laughs) Did they do something wrong? No. God has a plan. And sometimes when someone gets sick and graduates home to heaven, we feel like they've been stolen from us. But God's word says we won't live one day shorter, one second shorter than our allotted time. I have faith that I'm going to make it home to heaven because of I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. However, if I drop dead before the class is over, then you know you saw me in my last allotted time. And yeah, we cry because we hurt because they're gone, but we can celebrate with them again. And by the way, if you really look at the Jewish teaching, not everybody that we think is going to be in hell is going to be in hell. But that's a separate lesson. Listen to Pastor Larry when he teaches on that. (laughs) We believe every believer is a part of the body of Christ and should be planted in the house of the Lord and participate weekly in church. I'm the stream pastor for New Beginnings. That means that all the people that are part of our stream family, I send them emails, I answer their prayer requests, I interact with them, and I also encourage them to be part of a local body because they need to be with other believers. And that does not take away from their love, loyalty, and their 
first fruit offerings from new beginnings. We believe that they should be plugged in and serving and tithing at a local level. But their first fruit offering can certainly come here. We have a lot of friends here in Texas even where the churches don't teach about the the high holidays. And they send their first fruit offering to new beginnings. By the way, I should tell you, churches, um, ministries send first fruit offering here. They sow seed into this ministry because they know what Pastor Larry and Tiz teach. And that always thrills my heart. I mean, when I see one of those come in, it's like, oh, my gosh. And, you know, again, nobody's, nobody's business. But just know that there are big, big ministries that send first fruit offerings to new beginnings. I love that. We believe every believer is to grow and mature in the things of the Lord, including the study of the word, prayer, tithing, serving, good works, and living a righteous life. Now, what does that righteous life mean? When we put on the breastplate of righteousness, there's two parts to that. Number one, we have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus to enter the throne room. Otherwise, I'd be hit by a lightning bolt and be dead a long time ago. But it also lets me know that I have a responsibility to do acts of righteousness as I live my life. So it's that two-sided coin. I'm righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ to talk to my Heavenly Father. But I also have a responsibility to be a graceful person as I live my life. We believe in the personal return of the Messiah and a bodily resurrection of the dead of both the just and the unjust. You need to pick up one of these things and just kind of, you know, go through it and say, yeah, where does that come from? How does that work? But that is who we are. That's what we stand on. We're a tongue-talking faith church, and we have seen miracles of God year after year after year. And does that mean that everyone is healed? No. But I do believe that they're home in heaven performing a job that God has them doing, waiting for us to arrive. Does it mean that we should be hesitant in praying for somebody? No. In a grocery line, God will quicken you. Does it mean that I say something every time I have an opening? No. It means I pray and say, should I speak or should I just quietly pray? And don't you know, darn, most of the time God says, be quiet. It's like, oh, but I could say something here. I could, I could do something. I see things, but not in order to point them out. I don't point out the gap. I stand in the gap. That's my calling. I'm not saying that's your calling, but I'm just saying, you know, think about these things as you go through life. Well, praise God, we have a church that's a full meal deal. Praise God, we have a pastor who understands the importance of our Jewish biblical roots. Praise God, we have a church that not only takes care of the local people. By the way, we do go visit the uh, retirement or the care facility that's just right across the field from us. On Thursdays, we go over there and bring some light and sunshine to those dear souls. So there's a whole bunch of things that happen in the church that you you may not be aware of. But we get a lot of notoriety for what we do in Israel. But we're also in Africa and a number of other places with children and and with women. We also support a number of of, um, nonprofits, um, women's houses, shelters, and so forth. And obviously, we don't publicize that because if it's a safe house, the address isn't publicized. But just know that this ministry takes care of local people as well as world people. And that, that makes me sleep sounder at night because it's like, okay, I've got a pastor who understands the importance of both. Well, if you have any questions, come see me, but look at that statement of faith. And then realize that it's not 
ascend to read a business book, you'll discover a lot of principles. Oh, one more, and then we'll close. Um, in the bank, my executive vice president that I reported to, um, he understood biblical principles. He did not profess to be a believer, but whenever we opened up a branch in a local area, he would take a pretty sizable amount of money and donate to a local Boys and Girls Society or something that was a community piece that he knew would help that community. And he always did that before we opened the branch. So finally one day we were talking in his office about some things, and I said, tell me, Tim, why is it that you invest that much money in a Boys and Girls Society? Do you have a heart for kids? I mean, I'm thinking there's you know some story of his being saved from a storm. You know, you know how we mind read. <laughs> and he said, why would I go into a community expecting to make a profit if I don't first make an investment in that community? It was like, hello. Business and Christianity go hand in hand. And after pastor gets through with this sermon, he's going to talk about priests and kings and the responsibility that we have as business people to be priests as well, but as priests, we need to be business people as well, because business people continue digging in the dirt to find those golden nuggets to communicate better about how to do things. I mean, they took that entire story about the rabbi and the girl teaching expect the best and put it in three words, expect the best. So read some business books. Not everything is good, but you'll know which ones to read and not. John Maxwell is really good. Jim Rohn is really good. You'll find a lot of businesses have a lot of his um, uh, teachings on the front of their books, too. So thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of New Beginnings. We're glad that you're part of the family. And realize that we've got family members around the world, some in different churches that we may not think about, but they had a hunger for God, and God showed up to show them the plan of salvation, even though it wasn't being taught from their pulpit. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you put in such plain sight from animals and and flowers and fruits and vegetables, all the lessons that we need to know about life. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have called each person here to be a part of New Beginnings Church. Thank you, Father, that you have anointed Pastor Larry and Tiz, that they have a revelation to share with us. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, and then give us hearts that are hungry to obey quickly. Thank you for this time together. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you.